Welcome to Amici, News and Insight from the New York Courts. I'm John Carr. For today's Diversity Dialogue program, we're pleased to feature Omar Cumberbatch, health coach, reformed sugar addict, radio talk show host, and deputy district executive for the 9th Judicial District, which includes Dutchess and Orange and Putnam and Rockland and Westchester counties. Omar, thanks uh, for joining us today. This is kind of a, a first for me. You know, we've got uh, an amateur pod co-host, me, interviewing a professional talk show host, you. So I may, I, so, so I, I, I may need you to bail me out at some point. But uh, let, let's, uh, let's get started. Let's start at the beginning. And uh, tell me about your roots, if you would. Absolutely. So, but John, I'm sure you're you're giving yourself a little less credit. Uh, I know that you're pretty good at this, so it's all good. But I, I absolutely help you out as much as I can. Oh, but, thank you. Um, yeah, sure. My, yeah, my my roots really go back. As uh, my, my mom is actually born and raised in Jamaica, and she came to the U.S. when she was a teenager. And my family's father's from Barbados, but he was actually born in Queens. I grew up in Queens as well, Long Island City specifically. Uh, and I moved to White Plains about, oh man, it's going on 20-something years. And I've been here ever since. And I really enjoy the city of White Plains. It's in Westchester County, but it's definitely one of the places that I think I'll be here for a while. I really enjoy being here. Oh, that's good to hear. Now, who were your uh, primary mentors or role models uh, growing up? Oh, for me, like growing up, I was just a super sports fan, a big Met fan, a big Nick fan. So a lot of my early um, mentors or people who I looked up to, I should say more more so people I looked up to, were obviously like Michael Jordan, like Daryl Strawberry. Those guys are really um, people who I really admired. Um, but as I got older, um, a guy named Sean Croxton, and I know many of the listeners aren't going to know who Sean Croxton is, but he was actually one of the... Um, big health and wellness podcasters and one of the things that really i admired about him is i'm an avid reader i really love reading and i love health and wellness which i'm sure we're going to get into a little bit in this show uh he was somebody who i was really impressed by just he had just guests on his show on books that he read uh, and then he would have like Q and A's with them, and really just pick their brain after he, he read the book, and it was really something that I was really fascinated with, and I really loved what he was doing out there. And he really actually became uh, a mentor and actually a friend after some time down the road. I actually met him and uh, did some work with him, and it was really uh, a, a nice experience. So definitely Sean Croxton in my later years. Great. I, I do want to get into your your health coaching a little bit later, but um, you know, on your web page you say, and I quote. I always wanted a big brother. Being the oldest, I had to learn most things the hard way, close quote. What do you mean? Yeah, um, I always felt like life is too short to like learn every single lesson on your own and make every single mistake. So to have somebody there to kind of guide you uh, in those kinds of things, I was always very jealous of my little brother when it comes to those things. You know, And it was ironic because my brother was completely opposite for me and even if you told him not to touch something he still touched it <laughs> you know he's one of those guys um but i just felt that i would have benefited a lot if i had those opportunities to have someone who has actually been through it a little bit that i can just gain some wisdom and i'm very open to knowledge and that's why one of the things that i'm very passionate about too is mentorship and just kind of just being making myself available for people to pick my brain about a variety of 
topics, health, wellness, the the court system, anything that I think that someone can learn off my experiences. I'm very much an open book when it comes to that, and I really relish the opportunity to share that knowledge and push it forward. So it sounds like you're still the big brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And uh, uh, where did you go to school? I went to SUNY Albany, um, and I finished my – um, bachelor degree in SUNY Purchase, though. So I was in Albany for two years, and then I, I wrapped it up down here uh, in SUNY Purchase, um, and that's in Westchester County as well. And what did you study? Uh, in Albany, I started at the communications degree, and then when I finished in Purchase, um, it ended up being with their equivalent to a liberal arts degree because I, I was, went to school at night. I actually started in the courts at that time, and I just... I wasn't in love with SUNY Albany, which I'm sure like, uh, we have a lot of people who might be listening to the show who actually went to SUNY Albany, so I don't need to disrespect that I was uh, I was up there too. I just didn't have necessarily anything that made me stay knowing that I was going to get an opportunity in the court system at that age and at, was able to actually go to school at night, so I just finished the degree. I kind of killed two birds with one stone, and I wrapped it up there. So it was the equivalent of a liberal arts degree because I was – doing my schooling at night a lot of people when they're in school work at uh, mcdonald's or burger king or something like that how did you end up in the court system oh it's a family business <laughs> so <laughs> my father uh he, he was in the court system and then you know when i was literally in high school he made me take a, a, a grade eight test and I had no idea what I was doing. It was a weekend. It was a Saturday when they used to give the tests. And like the low, I think it was in Yonkers at the time. I, I had no idea what I was doing. He just said, go take this test. I went, <laughs> went took the test. And that was kind of it. And then I got my results from the test two years later. So that tells you a little bit about how well I did on the test. It was probably not that great. So I just had the opportunity at that point when they canvassed me and it was just an opportunity, but my father was the one who actually made me take the test, and he was somebody who was influential in guiding me in the court system about those types of opportunities. What did your father do, or what does he do? He was, oh, yeah, well, he's retired now, but he was a senior um, senior court clerk, and he, I think he eventually became an associate court clerk. He retired as an associate court clerk. He worked at 60 center street uh, for many years. And then he actually ended his career close to home, which was in uh, white plains uh, Supreme court. Right. And you said it's a family business. Do you have other family members in the courts? Oh yeah. Well, my mother retired. She was in the court. Uh, my brother's in the court system. Uh, my sister was in the court system. So it, it, we all kind of had a, uh, that, that, that at least um, guidance to, to take the civil service exams. And it was just really a, an open door opportunity for us. And we all had had some roots in the system at some time. And again, we had very good opportunities through taking the test and stuff like that. Huh. Now, um, you're the deputy district executive. What is yes. a de- what, what is a deputy district? What does a deputy district executive do? Yeah, so the deputy district executive is a great question because I had no idea before I started in this capacity. I really had. It, it, I think it's one of the things I guess best described is I work for the administrative judge, and in the administrative judge's office, what we do, we oversee all the administration 
um, functions of court operations. So we do budget, HR, facility stuff, timekeeping functions, and we're really there just to support the operations of the court. Um, so we're, we're, we're not in the trenches with the, you know, the actual courts, but we do support them in some capacity, supplies, anything that's an administrative function, we, we have a lot to do with. And basically, I, um, my boss is the district executive, and then we work closely with the administrative judge specifically and, and really liaison between like the DCAJ's office and the, the folks in OCA. I see. Now, Ninth, ninth uh, JD is uh, you know, kind of an interesting creature in my mind. Um, from where I come from, it's downstate. From people in New, yes. York, from people in New York City think it's upstate. And, yeah, I and, know. And, uh, and any, any way you look at it, it's a very, very big district, a very populous district. So what are, what are the challenges that are specific to that geographic region? You know, it is a very interesting part of the state. Like you said, I remember when, when I mentioned earlier, I did move from Queens up to uh, White Plains. And I thought White Plains was actually, when I was living in Queens, I thought it was like by Albany, which no way it actually is. It's like we're actually right outside the, the Bronx. But yeah, the one that I think right now, I think the elephant in the room for every district is basically what we're dealing with in the COVID crisis and staying afloat, like while managing day-to-day operations with such, you know, minimal staff and shifting of staff and whatnot. And to your point, geographically, we do have some huge, actually, cities in Yonkers and uh, Mount Vernon and New Rochelle. And then we do have uh, rural or smaller areas uh, in Putnam County, uh, the Carmel region, and, you know, we, uh, Port Jervis, which is really almost two hours away from White Plains. So we do have a, a very different landscape in comparison to, to a lot of other territories in the state. And like you said, we are very big. It's a big, it's a populous um, territory. Uh, and a lot of different things are going on, a lot of different needs that we have to address throughout the actual district. So, yeah, those are the challenges that we have to deal with on a regular basis. Well, it's also, I think, a rather um, diverse county in a lot of ways. And you've got White, sure. Pla- White Plains, which has all, all the problems of all the urban problems uh, you would expect. You've got uh, wealthy, serene suburbs um, mm-hmm. and everything in between. Yeah, for right now, I think the biggest challenge is, is definitely managing like the COVID crisis and you know staying afloat while managing the day to day needs of the court with you know, minimal staffing. And I think that's like the elephant in the room to what probably the majority of the state is dealing with. And then we do also have a, a very diverse uh, communities that we do serve. We do have like big uh, big cities, obviously like Yonkers and. Mount Vernon, Rochelle, White Plains, and even going up a little bit north of Poughkeepsie and then uh, Middletown. There's just a very different type of population for each particular court. And then we do have like super wealthy areas that we do have to service as well. So there's dynamics where we have to deal with people who are not represented by attorneys, pro se litigants and such. And we have to help them navigate the system as well. And then you do have like, again, the wealthy areas that sometimes have more attorney uh, influences as far as being able to present cases in different fashions. So we do have a, a very interesting dynamic when it comes to you know, administering justice in the night. Mm. Now, you mentioned um, the elephant in the room. 
And uh, I, th I think the court system this year had a couple elephants in the room, and one of them, of course, is COVID. But another one of, one of them is the report issued a few months ago by Secretary Jay Johnson indicating that the court system is continuing to struggle with systemic racism that, that remains in the society. And from what you've seen and experienced, did that report come as a surprise to you? Um, it, it didn't, honestly. Um, and I think the, you know, coming up, I'm going, coming up on my 25th year in the system, and I've been in so many different capacities, and I've played so many different roles in the system from just being a grade eight and being uh, in a supervisory position in different courts and family courts, city courts, and now in an administrative capacity. It's, it's always been something that's come up in a variety of ways. Uh, across my career as far as being reported or observing. So it, it wasn't a surprise, unfortunately, and I just not expected that the court system was going to escape that. Uh, so I, I, it would have been more surprised if it wasn't something that was found, wasn't found as an issue, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Now, what can the district executives, the deputy district executives, the administrative judges do on the local or granular level to um, advance the cause of racial and ethnic fairness in the courts? I, I think that for sure um, what we can do, especially DEs and deputies, is to really, uh, like, as the top officials of the districts, you know, to take the position recommended from the Johnson report and really uh, embrace that commitment to diversity, embrace the commitment, you know, from the top that we're not going to have any tolerance or, or policy for a racial bias in any way and that we continue to like charge like our court managers who we do supervise to to keep an eye on this and make it a top priority so that we can be diligent in maintaining a culture that is open to diversity and doesn't have the same kinds of uh, issues that this report presented and that like I mentioned earlier, most of us are aware to some extent that it does absolutely have a, 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 a annoying place or has shown itself in the system. Mm -hmm. It seems like you have a whole lot on your plate uh, with your day job, um, but you're also a health coach and a podcast host. host. Uh, how, did, how did that happen? Well, um, it was interesting because on like when I was in, you know, obviously it was, I've been in the course for 25 years and it was something that I was always passionate about was health and wellness. And I was just one of those people who really would be just kind of in the gym working out. I was very passionate about trying to stay in shape and I just wasn't like getting necessarily the results that you would figure for someone who's been in the gym and doing this kind of stuff. I, you know, I did have, uh, weight fluctuations, things of that nature. And uh, one day I really just stumbled upon like the detriment of sugar in your diet. And I tried everything. I was doing a whole bunch of weird diets. I was even a vegetarian for uh, a spell. I'm not saying that was a, that's a weird diet. I just, just to put it in the context of where I was at the time. Um, and I stumbled upon something that really just started talking about sugar. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to try this. Um, I'm going to eliminate sugar and results were like unbelievable i was I, I lost so much weight to the point where like i remember a, a fellow caught, a buddy court officer of mine um he, he like, pulled me to the side and asked if i was okay because of the amount of weight i lost in like a pretty rapid amount of time and i was like no i just i'm fine i just cut out sugar 
and it was one of those things that it was really amazing and to me not all it, just to, to think that i can do one change in my diet and all of these things will fall into place um and i just got passionate about it i, I I went to school at night again. I was uh, always doing something outside of work. And I, I was certified as a health coach to Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And at that point, I, I became a health coach. And I was, again, going back to my mentor, who, like, I really looked up to, fascinating by uh, the podcast and just having these, like, this discussion, like, with you about health and wellness. And that's how that was born. Huh. Now, it sounds like the bottom line message there from, from what you just said is that you, you, you cannot exercise your way out of a poor diet. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I always say you can't outrun your mouth, you know. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> and then so with, with the coaching, um, uh, what, what exactly do you do other than say don't eat sugar? Oh well, yeah. Like it, it, that. That's that's like the the go to thing. Like that's the, the the simplest thing to do. But there's there's so many different avenues to actually to, to look into as far as your lifestyle. I guess the the easiest thing is to really recognize exactly what you're doing that probably needs to to be eliminated right off the bat. So I think that a lot of the things before you can quote unquote eat well, you have to really just not eat bad. And that's something that the first step to any diet that I would recommend to anybody, because at that point we all know, or I should, maybe I'll take that back. We, we should have some idea that there's certain things that we can tell in our diets, chips, soda, sugary drinks and stuff like that, that if we can at least get rid of them, we would be better off. And that's not necessarily going into the many diets that are out there currently that are popular and, mainstream media at this point that you know if you could just do those things to start eliminating some of those things out of your diet initially you'll probably be getting a a whole lot of results that can enable you to if you want to go further and really transform your life in 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 that way that you can add on to that you know more specific things well once we eliminate some of those other things and we'll be able to crowd in New, newer behaviors that will help us be better off in our health and wellness. What are the benefits of that? I mean, obviously you're leaner and healthier than you were in your uh, Dunkin' Donut days, but it, has, that yes. ma- has that made you a better employee, a more productive employee, a, a more energetic employee? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, th- Without a doubt. Um, with, with all the the changes that I've been able to go through that were for the better in the health, you know, arena. I, I absolutely have more energy. I absolutely have a better focus. I mean, I, I, I had a lot of issues with just annoying pain, you know, that was really just due to too excess weight, too excess um, uh, sugar intake, that the excess inflammation that just happened because of the diet and lifestyle choices I was making at the time. And, yeah, so just being and feeling better is absolutely going to make you a more productive employee, without a doubt, no doubt about it. Hmm. Um, and how do you balance those responsibilities? I mean, you have a very demanding full-time job, and it seems like sounds like you have a rather demanding part-time gig as well. Well, yeah, um, I, I would say it's, it's the the part-time part of it isn't isn't too demanding. It's really something that is it's just uh, very. Uh, much something that I, I really just enjoy and it's like a, a more of like a passion project that I, it keeps me 
grounded and sane as well. <laughs> like it really um, keeps me continuously learning and continuously engaging with with people all over the world honestly and it's one of those things that i, I just really it, it, that fuels me other than that I, I i'm also like you know a super early riser I, I do a lot of stuff crack at dawn and i'm able to to knock a lot of this stuff out and it's it, it's I, i'm a systems guy as well so a lot of the things that i need to put in place are just system uh oriented as far as getting things done so it's really not that bad of a issue as far as that goes <laughs> for sure sounds like you're a result-oriented guy rather than a process-oriented guy in other words you want to you want to get from a to z yeah i love it mm-hmm. <laughs> that's definitely the thing that drives me mm-hmm. let's uh, wrap it up with uh returning to the court system if we could what is the key to success in the court system especially for those of minority backgrounds? I mean, did, did they need a, a family history here as, as you've got, or what's, what's the key to success? <laughs> I, I, family history definitely helps, you know, but, but you know, th- those were things that were obviously opportunities, you know, that, we, you know, we, we were aware of. So that took definitely had an advantage. But I do have, like, the obvious, you know, keys to success in, in the court system, just like in everything else in the world. It's, it's a really established like your reputation in the court system. You know, everybody knows the court system is very, 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 very small and your reputation goes a long way. So just try to establish yourself as like a hard worker, someone who's eager to learn and, you know, show a desire to advance. Because once I think that people recognize that, you know, you have an interest in making this a career and advancing and doing a little bit more, when opportunities do present themselves, people keep you in the back of your, their mind too. Um, and then, of course, with opportunities, I think that we have to take the approach that we have to keep our eye out on opportunities as well, whether that be like a civil service exam or posting. You have to put your, your hat in the ring and you know also seek out people in position that you'd like to be in. Uh, seek their advice, see how they got to where they are, um, and really just really you know pick people's brains i think the court system is is big in the opportunities that it does have and we just have to start being more aware of these opportunities and i think the court system has to do a better job as far as getting those opportunities out there because even the position i'm in now I'm, i'm so shocked sometimes to see offices that are really, really important offices that when I was a grade eight, I had no idea existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there would have been opportunities that I, I would have had on the radar, but I just didn't know. So, you know, kind of get to know where you would like to be. And, you know, if the core system can help promoting those uh, entities as well, that's a big deal too. Well, that's great advice. And, uh, you know, thank you, uh, Omar. Oh, anytime. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me.